episode of Fermented Faith, uh, where we take everyday things of life and talk about how do we live that out? How does the gospel apply to them? And so today we have a, uh, I think a unique, probably a, a bit different of a topic uh, that we haven't talked about before, and it's imagination. I want to start with a, with a, a quote from uh, a Desiring God article that says, the imagination enriches our minds. It allows us to understand more clearly and feel more deeply concerning ambiguous or abstract ideas. This is bold, though. This is what he says. For this reason, raising children in good stories is as, is as important as raising them on their catechism. That's, wow. a, that's a bold statement. Yeah, I like that quote. Yeah, and uh, and so it's something that is challenging to me because I don't see myself as uh, the stereotypical imaginative or creative person, uh, but I've been challenged and encouraged by this thought and then conversations with you. And so that brings me to who you are. So I have a special guest to have this conversation with me today, and that is Caleb Ingram. Hey. Uh, Journey folks would know you from being on stage rocking the bass and sometimes uh, acoustic guitar and singing some backup vocals, and then most recently teaching a uh, an apologetics class for mm-hmm. us, which was excellent and Thank something you. that um, you built and walked us through and was super edifying. So. Great. Uh, you are my brother here at the church. You remember you're married to Jennifer uh, for what six years that we Going said? On six Going years, on six yeah. years, and you guys have your first uh, little kid a little over a year ago. So you got one little man, Everett, right? That's right. Yeah, and so he, you guys are just in a fun stage, and so you've been members here a little over a year, just about. Mm-hmm. Uh, attended for a little bit longer than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what do you? What do you do? Uh, what's your day job? So. Uh, I'm part adjunct professor okay. uh, over at Rin Lake. Yeah. So I'm just that means I'm, I'm a lowly professor. I ah. only get the bottom of the barrel. Well, you just started. You just Basically, gra- yeah, yeah. You just graduated with your master's in philosophy. Yeah, right? 2018. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're just getting going. But my full time job is is working with the federal program at Shawnee Community College and I'm like the tutor for the program. Okay. Yeah. So I'm helping kid low income kids or kids with uh, documented disabilities and stuff, giving them academic resources so they, so the playing field is, is even, basically. Love it. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, the way I always uh, introduce or talk to you, or talk about people, or talk about you to people, is that mm-hmm. you think more deeply than most about uh. all things. And so, <laughs> uh, it's a really good thing, and you're a gift to the church uh, for that reason. And so, this conversation about imagination came up as we were talking about content for the apologetics class, mm-hmm. and I don't know how exactly we got there. We're talking about C.S. Lewis yeah. or something and stories, and so I was sharing with you a little bit of my my background is that I always I was never really drawn. I, I certainly wasn't kind of I wasn't raised in an environment that was big on fiction or stories or creativity. Mm-hmm. I hated art class as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like the the thought That's of somebody common. thought of somebody putting a piece of paper in front of me and telling me to like draw or paint something was horrifying to me. It's like sure. super vulnerable and just like, I hated it. I, I dreaded it. I'm not exaggerating with the hate. I had dreaded it. I had a mean teacher too. So maybe that doesn't that help. help. But anyway, and just not a big fan of like fiction, science fiction movies. I, I, I never forget the first, like I went to, uh, I didn't know anything about the Lord of the Rings. I didn't care anything about Lord of the Rings, but a mm-hmm. buddy of mine, uh, and probably some girls, I don't know. We're going to a movie, uh, I was probably late in high school or just out of high school going to see uh, the second installment of Lord of the Rings, The Two mm-hmm. Towers, which if you know that trilogy is the longest mm-hmm. of yeah, the it's movies. it's a long one. And, uh, and if you don't have the context, uh, is not the one you want to start with. And so I hated it. I hated it. I was like, this is terrible. It was two and a half hours of my life. I'll never get back. There's trees talking. And I was just, 
I always resisted things that weren't realistic. And so anyway, okay. that's just my background. But, yeah. but later in life, kind of exposed through a book called Epic by John Eldridge about the value of stories and why we as Christians should uh, can be and can be edified and should seek out good stories um, mm-hmm. because a lot of times they're they're pointing to and kind of drawing out something that's true about our story of mm-hmm. God's creation and uh, the ones that He came to redeem and good so example just a of lot that of beauty Harry Potter mm. spoiler alert yeah he's a Christ figure so if, so if yeah. anyone's read that book I thought that was like demonic like witchcraft I'm just kidding that's, that's what my old pastor said <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah strong opinions they were denounced yeah. but yeah um, at the very least you can see the gospel yes in that, in that story as well yeah yeah, not a coincidence. Yeah, no. I, well, and even like Frozen too. It's just especially Frozen too. You, you have you don't it. have daughters, so you don't have to go there. But yeah, <laughs> uh, Elsa is a is a Christ like figure in that, in that she sacrificial uh, figure. Maybe. Yeah, she sacrificed herself to save her people, and mm-hmm. then is resurrected, and then saves them. Yeah, so interesting That's stuff. Harry but Potter yeah, too. Yeah, so there's the resurrection stone. Okay, That's so <laughs> yeah, and that was kind of Eldred's point: is any story that we enjoy or that sort of hits us at a deep level is is grasping at or is kind of pulling from the greatest story, the greatest epic, which is the gospel. And so it's the template, yeah. So that's sort of like I was like, okay. So I rewatched, I went back and, and watched Thor and now I love them and watch them with my kids and and uh, C. S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia and the movies are uh, not as good as Lord of the Rings, but supposedly the books are gonna try for a mini series. Really? Yeah. That'll be uh, interesting. Hopefully they kind of make them a little they try a little harder. Yeah. A little less campy. Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah. You have that with Christian media sometimes yeah. or a lot of times, but notorious. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so that, that sort of, uh, kind of changed my perspective. And then, um, and then I, I had a pastor challenge me one time cause he was super good at illustrations. And I was like, dude, how did, like, how do you, how do I get better at that? And he goes, read lots of fiction. And I was like, Oh, that's not what I wanted to hear. But so I've seen this need for me to grow, and I've obviously learned to benefit and, and love people who are gifted with imaginations, but I don't know that it was a valued thing for me. Hmm. Um, and I think other people can probably relate. Uh, so probably. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's kind of how we got to having this conversation, because hmm. you have thought about it a good bit, and you're, you're a deep thinker in terms of philosophy, but also a creative. Like, you write music and... Like, po- write poetry and... You draw, too. Uh I used to. I wanted to be a comic book artist when I was a kid. That's so awesome. So I liked my art classes, and I, I used it. to do comics and stuff. But uh, I, I started to pursue music, and then I kind of went that direction. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of stopped that. But Jennifer, my wife, she's an art teacher. And okay. She's, she's very gifted in that. The material. And see, arts. if I feel like if Jennifer had been my art teacher, things might have gone different. Yeah, she's like, very she's so, Yeah, she's so kind. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I would have. But it would have helped. Yeah, my <laughs> art teacher was the grouchiest woman I've ever. Yeah. Anyway, I still have a little like reaction thinking about it. (laughs) All right, so let's start, man. This, how would, what are we even talking about here? How do you define imagination? Because you've been helpful in me just thinking about, uh, we're talking through like, hey, this is not just that stereotypical like creative thing that we, it's something Mm -hmm. we're using all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And so, how would you just, how would you define or help us get a better understanding of what it even is? Yeah, so let's let's make sure that we have the misconceptions aside. Now, a lot of people yeah. think that uh, imagination is this kind of fanciful or childish sort of thing that we're we're to grow out of. It's okay when when you're a kid, but you know you got to start living in the real right, world, right. and you're gonna have to set that aside. And you know, and and uh, you know the grittiness of the world, you gotta yeah. <laughs> you gotta embrace it eventually. Um, 
Yeah, and then so many parents like cringe when their kids pick a, a degree that's in like they want to be an artist. The, yeah, you're like yeah. oh no, you're never gonna earn an income. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a lot going on there, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure, so things we value, but sure. And the other thing is, like you said, that it's strictly like creative imagination. Like you have to be, um, you know, a painter or yeah. or a, a, an author or you know someone who writes stories right. or something like that. Uh, so there are people that definitely have, I think an overactive imagination, uh, sure. even into adulthood. And that becomes kind of a negative thing, kind of an escapism. Yeah. And we don't, that's not something to, you know, uh, strive for. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, and there are people that just like there are people who are, who are more naturally gifted in athletics or people who are more naturally gifted at like mathematics or something like that. There are people more naturally gifted, uh, sure. in terms of having a powerful imagination. Makes sense. But basically imagination is just, um, forming mental images, this capacity that we have to form mental images, things that aren't present to the, to the five senses at a given time. Hmm. So it's very broad. Yeah. And for that reason, uh, it's very, it's very subtle, I think. Uh, so we're imagining, we're imagining all day, every day, every single person, doesn't matter what your career is, doesn't matter what your job is. If you, if you're a human being, you're imagining all day. Doesn't matter what your degree of creativity or. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's just the water that you swim in. Yeah. And just like a fish doesn't know that it's in water, because that's what it's always known, you know, we don't recognize that we're using our imagination at a given time. Uh, but so, yeah, so examples of that sure. are like what? So uh, imagination is our bridge to the past, you could say, and our bridge to the future. Anytime we're using our memory, anytime we're recollecting something that happened to us, whether it was a decade ago or yesterday, like what we had for breakfast, we are... Um, using our imagination where we're envisioning, uh, you know, this mental image, the thing that isn't present to us now, you know, we're recalling yeah. it. Okay. And so, and you, we know how important our memory is, sure. you know, uh, in terms of our, like our self identity and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, uh, but also when we, when we're thinking about the future, whether it's, we're going to build a shed or we're going to start a family or, you know, what, what career we're going to go into when we're, when we're thinking about the future, we're totally using our imagination. Uh, even with something simple, like say I had like an argument with a coworker one day that that yeah. evening, I'm, I'm trying to think about mm-hmm. how I can reconcile myself to that person the next day. Like I'm going, I'm running through scenarios and you know what it might look like. That's my imagination. Yeah. So it's a very, okay. very, a very practical fact. Yeah, I, I, I would have never categorized that. I, I agree yeah. with you. And I think that's right. I just, that's something that I never connected those dots. Yeah. Yeah. So. so it's very, very practical and very just, um, prevalent. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I think for me, I, I just long since decided that I didn't get much imagination. <laughs> and then like you said, whatever I did have was kind of boyish and needed to be, you know, kind of yeah, left, yeah. left in that realm. And so, yeah. Um, I, I certainly don't like, sit down to like, you know, imagine that, you know what I mean? I, so yeah, this is helpful. <laughs> sure. So, and I think this is helpful when we, we think about like, okay, well, this is an everyday thing of life. Like mm-hmm. on the surface it's probably not a, a topic that a ton of people were just like really hoping we talk about imagination. Yeah, right. Not. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about everyday things of life, this is like you just said, this is an, an everyday thing at every moment mm-hmm. of life thing. And so I, and, and it's not just, it's not just this fanciful or, you know, imagine like a fantasy, like, mm-hmm. no, this is, this is something that is actually a, a very fundamental part of being made in the image of God. Absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. And so it's something that all of us should 
be aware of, and then mm-hmm. kind of like a like a muscle, we should seek to yeah. exercise it. Just right? like your pastor friend was saying, I mean, reading fiction is kind of like working that muscle. Yeah, you know. So yeah. absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk more about that. What, yeah. what are the average person? Uh, some people are maybe more artistic minded and just like, yeah, that's, this is affirm this in me. And then others might be more like me. And like, I, <laughs> I don't know what role imagination, I got real problems to solve and I don't want, you know, I don't know what role imagination might have to play. So, so let, let's just, uh, I don't know. Let's, let's, let's dive a little bit deeper, even yeah. into that image of God idea of God yeah. is himself imaginative, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the things that we've been talking about so far, that's just, you know, Christians, non-Christians, you know, Muslim, Right. Jew, Hindu, uh, secular person. That's how everyone Humans. uses their imagination. Yeah. But yeah, it's important to, to think about as Christians, what's unique about our understanding of it and then how should we specifically be cultivating mm-hmm. it, right? So like you said, image of God for sure. And this is kind of, kind of abstract, but you know, God is the creator and we're made in his image. And so we're, we're kind of like lowercase c creators and one of the ways in which we are is, is this, you know, uh, anything that we create, whether it's a, I mean, you can just look at our cityscapes, you know, mm-hmm. just look at, look at Marion, look at all the buildings in Marion, the square, right. all that started in someone's imagination. Yeah. It, that's, it all began. So again, it's not yeah. really, it's not a fanciful fac- faculty. It's like the, the real world that you're talking about is the product of right. people's imaginations. It all starts there, mm. which is very cool to think about. Yeah. Um, but, um, which is that, yeah, which is the fill the earth and subdue it. The cultural mandate was what mm-hmm. theologians would call that. And mm-hmm. God does envision them taking it from wilderness, right? Why oh, yeah. the garden and why like into, I mean, a city, mm-hmm. you know, uh, functionally that's where we're headed. Right. And the, mm-hmm. haven't, you know, the city of God. And so, uh, for sure, cultivating that sort of culture in every way and then specifically even the tangible things like infrastructure and building yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so i guess we could imagine that there was once a time uh you know we, we believe that god created all things out of nothing mm. that the, everything that's actual the whole the whole um material universe and spiritual uh world were created uh you know in, a, in an instant i guess it's hard to wrap your mind around yeah. since it's you know eternity and time and all that sort of stuff. But there was a time uh, by implication that everything, swans, turtles, uh, solar Mm. systems, human beings, uh, mountains, whatever, it was all in the divine imagination. It was all in God's, an image within God's Mm. infinite mind. And in a sense, so there's something analogous there in terms of our creative process that Mm. uh, we can, that's part of our dignity, uh, something that we can, that we need to be, I think, conscious of so we can be grateful for it mm. and uh, and recognize that it's something that points us to God. Yeah, and I think, you know, as I was reading a little bit about um, Lewis and um, C.S. Lewis and, mm-hmm. um, you know, his story is fascinating. And I know, but, but even prior to kind of getting into that, just the idea of... of thinking more deeply or sort of using our imagination when we think about even the things that we do observe, mm-hmm. right? So you just listed off some creatures. Yep. Those are some of the more common things, but even like a turtle is kind of funny to think about. It's a weird creature. <laughs> it is. Right. But then there's even more weird, like God love turtles though. They're, man. They're, you know, like God came up with the great white shark, right. Mm-hmm. And, and the humpback whale and the, you know, like, 
And then also the jellyfish. And yeah, the platypus. <laughs> like these are kind of funny and strange critters, you know? Yeah. But the Lord was at work in them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so even to observe that, there's a proverb that, um, you know, he, he, uh, he says, three things are too wonderful for me, four that I don't understand, the way of an eagle in the sky, oh, yeah. the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man with a virgin. Now, he's sort of talking hmm. about relationships there and mm-hmm. how we should uh, sort of, you know, move seamlessly with one another and, you know, a man should be gentle with a woman. And there's some, mm-hmm. you know, even more intimate, you know, kind of implications yeah, there. But, verse. but he's using that, those observations to make a point. And he used his imagination to make those observations, yes, he right? Did. Like, mm-hmm. so we've seen a bird fly, but have you just like watched and like enjoyed that and thought about that? It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And he's using it as a metaphor. Yeah. And metaphors would be impossible without imagination. Yes. Taking two things that aren't related and like that necessarily like in the real, in the world. Yes. But we can take things in the world, things that seem desperate and separate and bring them together and find all kinds of meaning from yeah. that. And God designed it like that. Yeah. So even like a scientist, somebody that maybe is more analytic than wants to think about the why, but like that should still like you're discovering your thing. I don't know. It, hmm. It's just, you know, another uh, line that was kind of telling to me is um, I think John Piper said the Bible might, may be the most imaginative book of prose in the world, not because it creates reality that's not there, but because it puts that reality in so many surprising expressions. Hmm. Nice. So even that stuff is just like, you know, you're not necessarily thinking and, and generating an image of something that's not already there, but just allowing yourself to reflect and think more deeply and, ima- and I don't know, just kind of enjoy what is there and the, the beauty of creation and mm-hmm. is fascinating as well. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the leaves have fallen and in a couple months they'll start to sprout again, you know, and come back. All of that is, mm-hmm. is should, should lead us to, to worship. But mm-hmm. anyway, so yeah, I think, uh, to, to fuel this in the Christian. You see a lot of it in the Psalms and the Pro, the Proverbs and Song of Solomon. There's a lot of illustrative things that yes. are gone from that. So Very much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're very much a part of being, a, a, you know, as you said, in the image of, like, he is the creator. Mm-hmm. We describe him in that way. That uh, fundamentally means he's creative, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. Infinitely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. So maybe it'd be worth talking about uh, in any Christian understanding of something, we, we probably need to take account of, uh, of the fall mm, and sure. our fallenness because not, things aren't as they ought to be. Yeah. And uh, it's the same with imagination. So there's a lot of ways in which I think our imaginations are broken. And as Christians, we can recognize yeah. those things, like ways in which the fall has... Um, the trajectory has kind of messed up the sure. trajectory of our imaginations, Perverted you know, be conscious ways, yeah. of that. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk often on this show is like the accept, reject, redeem. And mm-hmm. that's sometimes more helpful when you think about something the culture gives you and what do we do with it as a Christian? This is yeah, not something yeah. the culture has given us. This is something God has given us. So I don't, yes. we don't have enough. The option shouldn't be to reject it, but because of what you just said, many, I think that is behind some of the, the stigma you talked about earlier where, <laughs> Many sure. well-meaning Christian families have sort of been dismissive of that fiction world and of that create. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, because because and sometimes I think that could be motivated by some of the perversions that we have seen. And there is a there can be yeah, a proclivity so toward um, you know that escapism or 
you know, just kind of not getting into to real life. Or I think, interestingly, it can be used to sort of justify sin. You know, our imagination yes. is very much used when we're justifying sin, right? Yes. When you're thinking about, do I want to do this? Even in the fall, there's that, that whisper of, is it really this way? And then they begin to imagine a world where, oh, God has been holding out on us, so what if, you know? And, and, and so, imagining what it would be like to be equal with God and all of that stuff. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, got and, him into trouble. Right, and yeah. then uh, one author talks about, you know, even the simplest, the dad who thinks that um, by working his weekends and evenings, he's actually loving his wife, his kids because he's going to set them up for college in the future or whatever by earning more income by... You know, so he's told himself a lie and allowed himself to believe this fantasy, this alternative reality, if you will, and that's insightful. But that was done by his imagination, by mm-hmm. saying, "Okay, this is what I'm tempted to do. If I want to justify it, I can kind of build this alternative reality, if you will, that says this is what makes this okay." And so, yeah, there are yeah. plenty of ways. Those are some really on the ground ways of of which our imagination can be sinful and perverted but i think there's there's the more common ones of or, or kind of more uh well-known ones of hmm. the escapism and that kind of thing yeah, yeah. the person who's kind of disconnected from reality but yeah i mean even what you're saying with the uh, the workaholic father for example uh i think that's a that's a good example of idolatry mm. really like yep. the the work and the even even the paycheck, and to some extent, has become kind of an idol, functional mm-hmm. idol. And John Calvin famously said, uh, "You're probably aware of this quote that the the human heart is an idol, idol factory." factory. Mm-hmm. And I think what he really what he meant uh, was that you know our imaginations, because yeah. it's it's through our imaginations that we construct idols, whether we mean a literal idol or something you know that we. Right. Some aspect of our culture, some aspect of the world that we cling to. Yeah, something that we elevate and pursue above above God. Yep. Yeah. And it captivates our imagination and, and kind of distracts us, you know. Yeah. We uh we hold we hold it within our imagination and kind of set our set our sights on it. And yep. that's and it deludes us, right? Absolutely. So yeah, so the imagination is definitely the broken, sinful imagination is responsible for all the idols that we that we see in the world for sure. Yeah, and then we sort of talked about that the lie that we believe internally to justify something we want to do, but then actually just like the practical lies, mm-hmm. like it's kind of at the root of lies. themselves, like, yeah. you know, coming up with fabrications. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, this is a, not a fun fact, uh, but it's a fact. I was a compulsive liar. Okay. When I was, uh, yeah, like sixth grade to, freshman year high school basically really? like yeah and then i started to hang out with a group of older kids that like uh found out a lot about some of the stuff that i lied about to, to seem cool like okay. very very elaborate lies really and they found out and they kind of like beat Dropped me up it. and oh, really? bullied me like not like yeah 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 sure. like there was one particular instance where they really trashed me or something mm. but just like really gave me a hard time and I was, I'm grateful for that because they kind of wrung it out of me. Isn't that interesting? But, but wow. yeah, but so yeah, my imagination was very, very broken and I would spend, you know, a lot of time coming up with just pure nonsense just so people would think that I was, huh. you know, yeah, that's really, that's something, something that I wasn't. Rooted back in the idol deal because you were, right, yeah, you were seeking their approval or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's all connected. It's a, yes. a web of, yeah, of sin for sure. Yeah, that's fascinating.
Um, yeah, so like with, with, many, with many things that are good and gifted to us by God, they can be perverted and used negatively, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean we get rid of them. No. Right? Or, and, you know, that's such a problem in our culture at large right now. It's like, oh, there's a problem with A. We just need to get rid of A. Well, mm. not likely. That's <laughs> not God's model. No, it's redeem it's, it. Right? Exactly, yeah. And so how do we do that with our imaginations? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we particularly as Christians and how do we turn that to worship and how do we, how do we redeem what God has rightly put in there um, without just, cause I think that is, I, I don't know that it's spoken. I've not, I don't, I don't think I've heard anybody else talk about this in the Christian world. Like yeah. as I, as I kind of researched, there is some, you know, desiring God has done a good bit on it. Yeah. That's really. And so there's several insightful. articles there, but I, I just, maybe I've just never, Maybe it never caught my attention because it's, but I don't think it's that widespread. Yeah. I think more so in the last 10 years. I mean, there were people like Lewis and Tolkien, these Christian authors in the, you know, mid 20th century. Right. I think they were saying a lot about it. But overall, you know, I think it's been more within like the past 10 years where you, you're seeing books like, I think there's a book out on imaginative apologetics. Mm which I don't haven't read, but yeah, you know, just like pe- people taking it more seriously and yeah. 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 So, yeah. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we uh, take this good gift from God and, and use it as a, as a means of, of worship and growth and edifying and, you know, adding to the culture, you know, the good things that God gave it to us for. How do we, how do we, how do we re- redeem it? Yeah. There's a lot there. I think it might be instructive to, to go back to Lewis yeah. Cause his testimony I think is really it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff there, but, uh, being someone who, uh, who had a proclivity toward, towards imagination and someone that became such a, such a, um, influential Christian thinker, mm. uh, uh, his testimony might be helpful yeah. to seeing how it might be done. So, so Lewis was very clear that, um, imagination is a, is a, as a truth bearing faculty, mm. like it's not, and we've been talking about that a bit, sure. but he said that, you know, uh, he, I think at one time he called it like an, the organ of meaning. Mm. So, which is interesting. That would take, we could talk about that for a while, but basically he wanted to emphasize to people and his fellow Christians that, uh, that we can access truth and come closer to truth via the imagination. Mm. Now, um, he wasn't, he didn't always think that. <laughs> And he was actually, uh, some, for, for those who know, he wasn't always a Christian. He, he converted later in life. And when he was, um, when he was a materialist, kind of atheist type, uh, he felt like he was kind of torn in, in two, like he was being pulled in two different directions because he loved, he loved uh, mythology. And he loved poetry and folklore and, and all of this sort of stuff. And when he read it, he was so... He, he felt like it was pointing to this meaning beyond the world and in the, and kind of pointing to the, the meaningfulness of the world. But then he was, a, he was kind of a scientific rationalist materialist kind of guy. And so he's like, well, that's not how the world is all this stuff over here that I love. And that kind of like moves me mm-hmm. and in a mysterious way, that's fantasy. This is the way the world is. doesn't have anything to do with that. Um, but he said that it was when he became a Christian that his imagination and his reason were reconciled. Mm. Uh, so, um, so yeah. So uh, one way that that happened, even when he was, um, even when he was a secular type, he was reading this author named George MacDonald, yeah. who I would recommend his his uh, 
his fiction is great. And he's even got some, he was a, he was a preacher as well. And Lewis was reading uh, his fantasy and he cla- later claimed that it had baptized his imagination, mm. which is a really interesting, and that's what we're, right. I think that's kind of the direction that we're going now. Yeah. Uh, so it baptized his imagination before he, the rest of him was baptized. Mm. So before he was literally baptized, before his reason, his intellect was baptized, his imagination was baptized. And so I think even before we say anything else, um, all Christians who do have this power of creative imagination, like George MacDonald did, and like uh, C.S. Lewis would go on to have, I think this it's kind of like a religious vocation, creating Christian art, mm, uh, yeah. Christian literature, and you know making it, trying to make it as good as as you know as as the world's, you know what I mean? Yeah. But but explicitly, you or, know, or just doing away with that divide. Exactly. But yeah. that maybe is another. That, that is actually a is another talk podcast, and somebody asked us to talk about the the labeling of Christian things it's not helpful yeah so that's basically. another conversation but but that's a way that i think it, it helps helps that conversation mm-hmm. when there is quality art right. come from christian <laughs> inspired by or, or created by christian main yeah. thing is make art that's yeah. faithful yeah <laughs> right yeah. that's the main thing yeah it doesn't have to be labeled just yeah. make it as good as you can but make it faithful and sanctified yeah so the, the point is that um so how 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 is a imagination baptized. So even before Lewis accepted Christianity, he had, he had seen, he had accepted kind of all of these, um, symbols and virtues and themes from these books. You know, he was captivated by these themes and symbols and things from these, from George McDonald's books that were explicitly Christian, whether he knew it or not at the time. And he was like, 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 you know, humility and all these sorts of things. And he's like, wow, this is so attractive. And well, what, what is this? What is this mysterious thing? Um, so, um, but he would go on to say that um, the reason why Christianity reconciled his imagination and his reason was that Christ revealed in history that the world is infinitely meaningful and that all that meaning kind of converges upon him and his mm. life, his, his li- birth, life, death, and resurrection. That is, you know, uh, historically verifiable, yeah. uh, that it kind of shows that the world is, is enchanted. Yeah. And it's something that, uh, and he, you know, not just in terms of the, the historical, uh, reliability of the resurrection, but even just when Lewis was looking to Christian thinkers and Christian theology, and he's like, you know, this stuff has been thoroughly reasoned about. This isn't like the folklore and the mythology and the stuff right. that I was captivated by before. This is something that, um, that satisfies my reason and my intellect, but it also fulfills all these yearnings that I had when I read fantasy. Uh-huh. So it brings them together. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I hated mythology in, cl- in, is that in right? school too. I used to argue in my, my, like, why are we wasting our time on this? This is made up stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I was combative when it came to that stuff. But And I did it in the name of Christianity. But anyway, uh, it was it was foolish. But, that, so, that's yeah. a podcast in itself. Yeah. The relation between like pagan mythology and, and uh, Christianity. Yeah. Lewis had a lot to say about that. Yeah. It, yeah. That's, that's fascinating too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's so helpful. Um, I think as as we as we look at that 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 connection, um, and I mean his story is so obviously uh, t- you know 
specific to that, the way his mind was, was grasping. Whereas me, I looked at those things. They didn't stir me. I just dismissed them, mm-hmm. but they, they did. And so reconciling that for him. But, um, yeah, I think I interrupted you. You were probably continuing. Oh, no, that's a, okay. A helpful thought, but we could so, just say something like yeah. con- conclusive about that testimony that I, yeah, it wasn't, that's probably not the best rendition of it. But, uh, so Lewis's testimony teaches us that our imagination can uniquely help us to tap into the meaningfulness of the world. Mm. Uh, so they can help us to move beyond appearances, mm. like whether it's the thing that our culture's given us or whether it's like the science of our day or the philosophy of our day or whatever the, um, it can help us to look beyond appearances to how things seem to mm. how they really are and beyond the wisdom of the world to the truth of what God has revealed. So, um, in this sense, it can nourish our faith. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I started to think about. It's interesting to think about the, the, the effects of Gnosticism on our yeah. imagination because yeah, yeah. you said something in there about like that the world actually does matter and it finds its value in Christ. But mm-hmm. I think in that part of there's a, you know, a more elusive and subtle form of Gnosticism that is in a lot of uh, what we know of as, you know, kind of uh, Bible belt, yeah, um, theology of what what's really important is that you pray this prayer so that you can get off this mess and go to heaven, mm-hmm. right? It's not explicitly said that way necessarily. It's about heaven and hell, but anyway, there's mm-hmm. a devaluing it's kind of, of the an anti culture, yeah, otherworldliness, yeah, like, yeah. So I think that plays into yeah. that dismissal of imagine of imagination because it doesn't that stuff doesn't matter. Art and beauty, I, mm-hmm. I think that's part of what played into me not valuing it a ton because it's like, well, what matters is that we get people to heaven it's like well and that don't even say that that does matter obviously that we, we give yes. people the gospel so that they can get to heaven but like to think that art will be in heaven mm-hmm. infrastructure creativity engineering well, yeah, i think it's con- continued yes. a continued creation yeah. which is a little speculative but i think yeah i think heaven sure. is, a, is an unfolding of that of the creation yeah well yeah. The, the corinthians text that i think you wrote a song about uh, I'm gonna yeah. put you on the spot to read it or to sing it, but uh, thanks. <laughs> but 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 talking about you know what are we building on you yeah, know yeah. And, and there'll be plenty that is going to be hay and chaff that's going to burn up mm-hmm. right, but but much will last into eternity and it's that goes mm-hmm. on to talk about our rewards and sort of put some flesh around that whole treasures in heaven a yeah, bit, maybe some more mystery too. But you know, yeah. but anyway, yeah, but that's a part of it. I think it, that a lot of what we labor to do. Um, is going to be breathed on into completion in the new heavens, not oh, yeah. wadded up and thrown away so that God can like push us out of the way and show us how it's done. I yeah. think much of what we labor to do will be, like I said, breathed on into this beautiful like fruition, mm-hmm. and we'll get to see the part we played instead of instead of this this you know burning it up, wadding it up, throwing it away. The burning, mm-hmm. I think that's the misinterpretation of the burning, you know, from First Peter in particular. Yeah. It's a refining fire. Yeah, it's, it's not, not a, a destructive dest- fire. Exactly. So mm-hmm. that sort of a tangent, but I think it's relative or rel- yeah. relevant to this conversation of why many dismiss the value and the role of, of imagination. Yeah, agreed. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, all right. So I, you had some helpful points on like how can we do that? Like how, especially for the average person, but just for anybody, how do we how do we work, exercise that muscle and and direct it toward God. What are some practical things that we can all do? Yeah, let's think about it in relation to the, the Christian life and, and faith in particular. So um, so God, he gives us m- more than enough reason to trust him. Mm. But we don't really grow, in, I think, until we're willing to step 
uh, to, well, to place our security in God and to step out into the unknown a little bit. That's, that's part of what faith is, right? Yeah. Like think about Abraham. He's never met God before. (laughs) He doesn't know about the the God of his fathers and and he's called into a new land, you know, to be the father of a people and him him acting on that and stepping out, uh, I think is, is really illustrative of, of that. Yeah. When I was reading, uh, doing our Advent stories, reading the Jesus story of the Bible with our kiddos, the way that Sally Lloyd-Jones, Sally Lloyd-Jones puts it in that Mm. story is that Abraham trusted what God said more than what his eyes could see. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, that's a, that's a, I think was a helpful definition or a helpful phrasing of what faith is. I should have just quoted the, the storybook Bible. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. 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 That's a great, that's a great text. Uh, but yeah, so I think that a, a common misconception about faith, especially the secular types, they, they define it as, um, you know, belief without evidence. Mm. So believing in things without sufficient evidence, that's, that's right. what faith is for them. But really it's, it's a personal trust in the character of God. So this thing that we, that has been revealed to us, yeah. the perfect character of God, it's just right. putting our trust in that. And that's, and it's an active thing. It's a, it's a willingness to act and live for God. Even when things are beyond our understanding, even if they might be beyond our understanding, even if they're not accessible to us to be handled and kind of for us to be eyewitnesses of. But the cool thing about that is God's given us imagination. Mm. And so even if these things aren't, for us to hear, for us to be handled, uh, or something that we can comprehend intellectually, mm. it's probably not beyond our imagination, mm. and that's something for us to pursue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's almost interesting to hear God giving us permission. Yeah. To imagine that. Oh yeah. I mean, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm the only one that needs that permission. But no, yeah, I think that yeah, like no, it's okay to to envision what we, even what we're reading in scripture like mm-hmm. to to visualize that i i think strangely even though all of what i said was is true about not feeling inclined to that you know abstract world of creativity mm-hmm. but one of the time like one of the main love languages for me with god is worship like i feel mm-hmm. the close <clears throat> the closest to god when we're in worship and I think in a lot of ways it's because it gives me imagery. Yeah. Like I love imagery of, of Jesus being victorious, you know, uh, and, and rising, you know, uh, robbing the grave and the, the keys <laughs> to the grave have been stolen. And, and, uh, you know, all, all of that, like, um, puts imagery to it for me. And so I, I think that's, that's helpful even to just yeah. like say that's, that's good and right. And even what we're, what we're reading, Jesus tells parables all the time. Oh right? yeah. That's, he's, That's his primary. He's encouraging us tool. to visualize, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's leading us, walking us through visualizing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, I mean, what what would worship be without imagination? Yeah, it would dry. Be, yeah, it would be lifeless. Yeah, it would be just kind of like just this kind of mimed sort of thing. And I think it'd be wrong. Yeah, sacrilegious maybe. <laughs> yeah, like sinful. I really do. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, because it's a kind of kind of a mockery almost. You know, yeah. you wouldn't obviously you wouldn't be taking it seriously, right? right? Yeah. yeah, interesting. So yeah, so uh, something real quick that I mentioned at the beginning of the apologetics class to try to like encourage people. Yeah, is uh, you know in terms of um, developing our intellects. You know, again, be, sure. being made in the image of God. God has an intellect. Yeah, infinitely more yeah. powerful than ours, but He's given us. You know, 
one a miniature intellect sure, sure. to develop and to cultivate. And the more we cultivate it, the more we refine it, the more we glorify God. It's yeah. the same with imagination. Mm. God has this infinite imagination. We only have one analogously. We've got a kind of a finite miniature version of that. The more we cultivate it, the more we develop it, the more we're like God, the mm. more we glorify God. That's good. And so, um, so here's some, here's some ways. Yeah. We talked about it being a bridge to the past and, um, that's something we, the past is something that we reflect on a lot as Christians. Yeah. Um, so we profess that the climax of history, you know, right. the birth and life and resurrection of God incarnate Christ took place in the past and Holy scripture is primarily a testament about past events, uh, past events that have ultimate relevance for what mm. we're, we're to be doing now in the present. Um, but in God's goodness, he gives us an imagination and the Bible that allows us in a certain sense to see these things. Huh, so these yeah. things did happen in the past, but we still, our relationship to them is one that we have through scripture and the spirit mm, yeah. and our imagination. Um, so I think something that's interesting on that point is that like, if the Bible were just like a book of principles, like if it was just Proverbs <laughs> right? <laughs> and there's some, there are some imaginative Proverbs and sure. stuff like that. But yeah. if it was just like just teaching, yeah. just teachings. Uh, it, it would be kind of like a, a less imaginative book, perhaps, or one that's that would be that we can maybe just use our intellects to kind of wrestle with like, oh, yeah, yeah. the Bible is just a bunch of um, Christian axioms or something like right. that, like mathematics. But it's not. It's, it's mostly stories. Mm. And it's narratives, yep. very descriptive events. And that is that's food for the imagination. Yeah. For sure. That's interesting. It's, 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 it's an approach to scripture. That's important to, yeah. Cause I think a lot of people get it wrong whenever they, if you try to approach the Bible as a, as just that, you a know, rule book. Yeah. It's, uh-huh. it's not only is it bad, it's not only is it boring and you're going to be confused, but it, it's wrong. Like, it is wrong. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. interesting. Yeah. You're not going to really get helpful. in, you're not going to get out of it. What was intended if you, yeah. uh, if you're not engaging with it imaginatively. Yeah. Someone that I love, uh, Charles Spurgeon, mm. someone that a lot of people love, yes. uh, the Prince of Preachers. I think that he is, he's a key example for an imaginative reader of the Bible. Goodness. When his yeah. sermons, the thing that are, I think is so timeless and so valuable about his sermons is just how immersive they are yep. in terms of, uh, he's, he puts himself in the place of these biblical figures and yeah. he's got kind of like this imaginative empathy like what would it have been like to be like in that situation and he kind of brings his reader into that brings Mm -hmm. his congregation into that that's great and that's what we should be when we're doing our uh devotional times meditating on scripture we should be trying as hard as we can to be like you know really imaginatively imaginatively immersing ourselves Mm -hmm. in whatever it is that we're reading about what the events the, the biblical events yeah that's helpful to to not just you know, I think sometimes we, yeah, I think we just approach it wrongly. To I think some, and again, I think I've felt like almost wrong. Like you don't want to be too envisioning. You know, like the mm-hmm. don't make an image or you know, I don't know. Yeah. And a lot of times we envision it wrong. I think it's important to let our imaginations be informed by, a, you know, a ravenous study of scripture because that's yeah. part of you know Spurgeon was a. Uh, you know, a reader and, <laughs> yes. a, you know, a lover of the, the scripture. And so memorized so much of oh it. Oh my yeah. gosh. And so he wasn't just running off with his own, you know, 
idea of what things were. He's letting it be informed by scripture, but that's yeah, that's and one historical the, context. You know what I mean? Like that's a big would, point. Yeah, like Jesus wasn't white and fair skinned. You know what I mean? So don't envision <laughs> right. it that way. <laughs> like he was middle. I'm sick of those but, images. People are still doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so I think just as a side note, it's important to be as informed and intelligent, you know, mm-hmm. about these things. But then, but then, yes, envision them, and so. Yeah, imagination is not going to be a truth-bearing faculty, and it's not going to be a Christian imagination unless it's really conformed, mm-hmm. like you're saying, conformed yeah. to, to God's truth, conformed to His yeah. revelation. Yeah, yeah, and that's and and letting this um, interplay between Scripture and the imagination run yeah. its course, and be maybe the one of the foundational ways that we do cultivate our imagination as Christians. Uh, like whatever we go on to do with our imaginations, yeah. uh, that's that's pivotal for sure. Yeah. yeah, but that, but that's that's just a, that's, there's a difference though, and you know because if you just read it as a dry factual, it's like I always think of the story of uh, Jesus healing the guy in John nine mm-hmm. with mud that he makes with his spit. Yes, you know, like if you <laughs> just read creative, that, yeah, like how much spit did it take to make enough mud to put on it? Like, <laughs> you know, like, there's like, a lot of spit. Yeah, <laughs> so if you don't stop to like enjoy, enjoy those parts of scripture and, and to think, you know, like yeah, I think, yeah, don't just take it for granted. Yeah, Sit with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't. I never considered that it, it must have taken quite a bit of saliva, but <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> but like, it did. Yeah. Uh, that's a great passage Uh, so that's the past right yeah which is relevant right now for Advent it's kind of what we're doing right yes yeah in the season yeah I was going to mention that in in relation to the future but it's definitely both and yes Advent is interesting because it's kind of like it's a season that I I really appreciate that the journey takes seriously Uh, I don't think a lot of churches do I think and especially our culture does not yeah that was me that was something the journey did before and the same way I was like oh this is good I never yeah yeah, I was like, what's the spiritual significance of Advent? Like, yeah. okay. Isn't that a Catholic thing right. or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But it's but it's this interesting season, spiritual season, in which kind of the past and the future are con- converging. Yeah. yeah. And, we'll, and I'll, I've, we got some things we could talk about with that. But the present is something we could talk about too. Yeah. We didn't talk about that before. But so in Hebrews uh, chapter one, verse one, when faith is being defined, uh, it says that uh, it's the proof of things not seen. Faith is the proof of things not seen. I think there's a lot going on there. Sure. Particularly like when people are looking like in the, maybe like the the first century Christians, when these Christians are being willing to die, you know, like in the arenas and being fed to lions and stuff without renouncing their faith and the martyrdoms and stuff like that. Like faith, real, real robust yeah. faith. Sure. That's, that's one thing I think that's being talked about here. Like that's proof of things not seen. Yeah. <laughs> that, sure. That this is something you know, substantial. Right. Um, but so there's a, um, lot to be said, like I said, but, um, but when it comes to imagination, God allows us a means of seeing the unseen Mm. in the present. So we know that Christ is reigning in heaven at the right hand of the father. We know that he's interceding for us in heaven now. Um, but how often do we try to imagine that? Mm. Yeah. How often do we try to envision that? Um, so, when we do, uh, we are not lost in a fantasy, but we're drawing closer to reality mm. than we would if we just follow, you know, the five senses and yeah. just things to the naked eye. There's That's all good. kinds of revelation, all kinds of things that we that God has revealed to us with certainty that our imaginations can tap into, mm. and by doing so, to you know, cultivate our faith and, yeah. and strengthen our faith. Things that we know. That's good. Yeah. So uh, similarly, this is something that I love from, again, C.S. Lewis. 
gotta love the guy, the weight of glory, mm. really great collection of essays. Yeah. He talks about how, like, he's like, how often do you think about like your brother, your, your Christian oh, brother or yes. sister that one day they're going to be so glorious that like in your presence that you'd probably fall down and try to worship yes. them because they're going to be these kind of sinless, immortal, angelic beings. How often do you think about that when you're engaging, like maybe like when you're having a tough time with a, <laughs> right. with a fellow Christian, right. you're like, man, this guy again. Or, Wearing me out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like the reverence mm. that we should have for one another, knowing about what our, what our destiny is. Mm. How often do we allow our, 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 and that's a future kind of thing, yep. but it, but with relevance to the present. Yeah. That's something that I love in that, in that particular essay. And, and well, he goes on to talk about mm. even the, I don't know if he explicitly says the non-Christian, but he says they'll either be that or something so monstrously horrible mm-hmm. that you would be horrified of it. And that's Meaning, the urgency to, exactly. to witness. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that was clear to everybody. He's talking about like our future state, yes. meaning like in our redeemed, resurrected, which we just talked about here at The Journey, mm-hmm. uh, you know, preaching through First Corinthians, but yep. in our resurrected, glorified state. That will be true of us, uh, and so it's interesting to reflect on it. And I, yeah, yeah. Just think about any time an angel shows up in the Bible, people are like, Fear. ah, terrified, yep. fall, face to me. the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I mean, yeah. we'll we'll be more glorious than the angels, really. Yeah. Probably, maybe that's. Well, we're going to be judging the angels, apparently, as Paul, what Paul said. Yeah, who knows about that? Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah, so definitely all kinds of things about Revelation that aren't that are unseen uh, to the naked eye that we can still tap into with the imagination and bolster our faith yeah. in the present. The future, same uh, chapter and verse of Hebrews defining faith. Faith is the certainty of things hoped for. Mm. Okay. So hope, interesting thing, always has a re- relation to the future, right? If you're hoping for something, it's something you're anticipating, you're expecting. And since it's something you're expecting, something you don't possess in the present, so you really only have access to it through your imagination. So yeah. the thing that, that you hope for the most and with the greatest expectation and excitement is the thing that your imagination is completely just zeroed in on. Hmm. You know, you can think of kids when they're... Right uh, now with their Christmas list. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're just thinking about what, you know, did I get this gift? And, oh, what's, what am I going to be able to do with it? Yeah. And all the Absolutely. cool features or, yeah. Yeah. And it's completely like... Uh, enraptures them or, you know, Mm -hmm. captivates them, right? So we're captivated by what we hope for. So um, the Bible describes events that are uniquely relevant to the present, but also describes what we (laughs) await to be fulfilled perfectly in the future, Mm. right? So when we are hoping for something, we usually fix our mind upon it through our imagination to keep the hope sustained. But it's no different with God's promises. And I think this is where we could talk about Advent a little bit. Yeah. So it's this largely unappreciated uh, season. Uh, It's a perfect opportunity to kind of cultivate our imagination in relation to the future. So ideally, Advent is a season of silence, of waiting, of expectation. We know that those things that we expected, that we expect with the most excitement captivate our imagination. So in what ways are our imaginations captivated by the coming of Jesus mm. in this season? Like what ways are we allowing our imaginations to sit with and be captivated by the coming of Jesus? Because Advent is about obviously his birth, his incarnation. Right. So we're looking to the past and this glory, this, this wild thing that God actually was born into the world was it was an infant. Yeah. You know, like you mentioned, I've got a little boy and uh, the other, I was trying Lately, I've been trying to really immerse myself imaginatively in Advent, and 
and I was putting him down to bed and just looking into his little face as he's falling asleep. And I was like, God was a, God was a baby. And I, like, I could, it's like looking into the face of God almost like I could have been, you know, just looking in, like looking at an infant brings me to that almost. And that's just wild. Um, but anyway, so that's, that's one thing. So, and all that, that comes with it, God's, uh, graciousness and his, in, uh, in terms of his willingness to come and what he was looking forward to in terms of what he would suffer and his humiliation and everything that he was going to give up. But with the, with Advent and his, uh, recognition of his first coming, it kind of points us to his second coming. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that that's the kind of relation to the future. I think that mm-hmm. something that we need to be meditating on imaginatively in during Advent, yeah. his return. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, I mean, it's a fun, it's, it's a, being a parent. I mean, it's hard, but it's such a fun blessing and such a, and as your kids, so I'm in a season right now, my, my, my girls are nine, seven and five. And then I got, you know, a two year old little dude and a uh, nine month old, a uh, little dude, but the, so the girls are getting to that place where they're 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 each year we've done the Jesus Storybook Bible with them each Advent for the last like five years, but they're, it's the same stories, but they're they're mm-hmm. asking different questions and they're thinking through, and so we got to think about that a little bit the other day mm-hmm. about how he came in humility the first time, mm-hmm. but the next time he's not coming in humility, mm-hmm. he's coming in power. And Revelation nineteen paints this amazing picture mm-hmm. that helps. Fill in color our imagination, yes. you know what I mean, with a, a white horse and some form of a tattoo ish or something that says <laughs> King of Kings and Lord of Lords on his leg, and his robe is dipped in blood, and it's got a double edged sword coming out of his mouth. Like it is, Revelation is so imaginative, it's, yeah. it's so maybe one of the most of, oh of, of the Bible, sure. yeah, it freaks everybody out, you know, yeah. but yeah, so you gotta be careful good. with it, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that's yes. a whole other conversation. But anyway, mm-hmm. so yeah, and and so you think about Jesus tells us we need to have a childlike faith. Well, mm-hmm. I think that's part of it. It's like, oh yeah, oh just just set in that. Like, don't over like think that through. What's it going to be like? You know, when he is, is the sky going to part and we're going everybody going to hear the trumpet? You know, like thinking through those things is mm-hmm. it's not wrong. And no. It's good. Yeah. So yeah, not at all. And it, I think the more we allow ourselves to do that, the more again that our faith is going to be bolstered. And the more we're allowing our, our imagination to be baptized in the way that Lewis mm. was describing yeah. and sanctifying our imagination, conforming it to things that are good and wholesome and holy and, and of God. And therefore, when we're engaging with the world or when, we're, or when we are creating things, uh, we, we can pray that, they're, um, that they're, they're sanctified products of the imagination and things yeah. that are going to edify people and not, you know, sure. the contrary. No, <laughs> contrary absolutely. To that. Yeah. No, that's good. Well, and I think that, you know, we've hit some of those points, um, but just as we kind of wrap up here, you know, a few other ways that I think people can be intentional about that. I mean, hopefully some of what we're doing is giving folks some permission to do some things they're already inclined to do, but other Mm -hmm. folks like me are like, I don't know where to start. And so those are helpful things. Just, just reflecting on allowing yourself to be present in scripture and and imagine the, the context and the scene and like immerse yourself there. Um, and then, um, you know, with Advent, I mean, that, those are helpful things, but I, mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, some are, are inclined to write stories or mm-hmm. paint or, and maybe they don't know that that's a good and right gift from God. Maybe they've mm-hmm. been taught wrongly that it's, 
it's it's a thing they might enjoy, but it doesn't necessarily glorify God. And I think part of what we're saying is it absolutely glorifies God as being a part of his image. Integrate it. Yeah. Please integrate yes. it into your Christian life. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. write more stories and paint good paintings mm-hmm. and, and enjoy that. Whether you share it with anybody or you don't, it's still good for you. But I think you should share it with others because mm-hmm. it, yeah. And if it's something that maybe you haven't, maybe something that you're like, man, I've, I've kind of wanted to try to write stories or I've wanted to get painting lessons or drawing lessons or something like that. But mm-hmm. you've kind of maybe because the culture doesn't value it too highly or maybe because you didn't think it was worth your time or something exactly. like that. Definitely pursue those mm-hmm. things. Uh, exercise those creative muscles and <laughs> those imaginative yeah. muscles. Uh, yeah. And create, you know, beautiful art for the glory of God. Yeah, um, I think just uh, encouraging yourself to just write, right? Journal yes. is a good is a good place to start if you're not a short story person. But if you are, mm-hmm. write or poems. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that freaked me out in school too. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't. There's all kinds of stigmas with poetry. Yeah, dude. Yeah, so it was not. But Spurgeon mm-hmm. loved. Is it Herbert? Uh, there was a, there's a Christian poet. I've got. Oh a yeah, book he's over there. He was one of the metaphysical poets is it george i've got the i've got the uh the book over here but um yeah so talk about that for a second while i grab that book and confirm i think it's a good resource i'm not sure if this is the one that he's talking about but there were there was kind of a um in the 1600s there was a group of folks called the metaphysical poets uh and they were mostly christians like john dunn was one yeah this is the guy yeah george herbert he has a good great poem called the altar i think that's one of uh one of his most yeah. popular ones, but yeah. So there's yeah. a there. This is old language, and so it, it won't is. be. It's not super accessible, but there's a book called A Year with George Herbert, and it's a guide to 52 of his best poems, which somebody mm-hmm. has sort of will break down what he means, yeah, right? Great, and so it's, right. so that's a you can you can look that up. A Year with George Herbert. That would be a great uh, place to start. Um, Definitely uh, for for folks. They're very devotional. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. Um, yeah, I don't know what kind of poetry people are used to, but these are very um, stirring and yes. devotional. Uh, an artist that, I, I, well, I think another point that we were going to say is like, hey, seek out good. Like yes. if you create it, create it. That's good. But if not, seek it out and to seek enjoy it. it. Mm-hmm. I Yeah, I was never good at that. I was mocked like the art museum. I'm like, this is... <laughs> You know what I mean, but I, but th- that's something that that was a rough. Uh, that wasn't a that wasn't a sanctified part of me that mocked that. That you know, I no. think the Lord is anyway. I don't have to be. I don't have to love it like others do, but to you know, seek to uh, discover and and allow that to be beauty and and to enjoy that is is a good thing. Yeah, when you go to that art museum as a Christian, recognize that this is an echo of God's creativity. Yeah, that you know, just like you go out into the natural world and you're like, wow, look at all these things that the Lord has made. Absolutely. Uh, you go to the art museum, it's like, wow, look at this echo of this kind of, of God's creativity in us yeah. that he's made us capable of. And it's, yeah, yeah. The, like the St. Louis Art Museum is a great Yeah, and then if you want some more explicit Christian art, I, I, I'm sure there's others, but something I stumbled into a few years ago, there's a website called Full of Eyes. Oh, I've never heard of that. So, you, well, you've seen uh, Derek Borm has the tattoo on his arm. So yeah. that's from that. But, oh, okay. Uh, super... He illustrates passages passages of scripture. Yeah, I like so it. full of eyes. So F U L L, like full, like uh-huh. you're full of something. Of eyes dot com. He's got tons of passages that that he uh, uh-huh. and he brings wrote. into life through mm-hmm. imagery. That's fantastic. And then somebody added a song to one, a, a few of them, but one of my favorites on YouTube is called "Dead Come Alive," 
mm-hmm. and it's just super illustrative. Um, and it's using a lot of his artwork. So dead oh, come cool. alive on YouTube. And it's, uh, it tells the story of the gospel in a really compelling way. Um, I showed it here at the church a few years ago and it freaked some of the older people out, but, um, <laughs> They rap and part of it, but anyway, oh, it's super. Oh. It, it's really compelling. So, full of eyes would be a great resource. Yeah, I think, that's fantastic. Folks, uh, I, did, I need to look at that myself to check out. Um, what else, man? Kind of as we wrap up, final thoughts. Um, so, uh, prayer is another thing that we can mention. Something that's universal to all Christians. Try to be imaginative when you're praying. Mm. So, not just in terms of your devotional time reading scripture, but you know, if you're interceding for somebody. Um, you know, imagine, envision that person you're not actually laying hands on them, you know, put that person in your mind. Yeah. What are you praying for, for them? Are you praying for healing? Are you praying for some sort of breakthrough? Envision that breakthrough. This isn't some mm. like new age kind of po- positive thinking. It's faith. Yeah. You know, en- envision the thing, trust that God is good and that he's willing and able to do this thing. That's good. And uh, envision it with your, uh, with your imagination as you're, as you're praying for it and I let think, it to just be words on your lips, really bring it to life. I think, uh, I think you can also envision the spiritual battle, oh, especially yeah. when you're interceding, but maybe even for yourself, but like, you know, there's the famous passage of Ephesians six talks about, we don't struggle against flesh and blood, mm-hmm. but against the spiritual, but to envision that, oh, yeah. that, you know, and the, the, the chains that are around our heart and the tangle and then sucking the, and that's something that the guy from full of eyes does pretty well is kind mm-hmm. of put some imagery to that. Mm-hmm. But I think that's helpful too. When you're praying is to absolutely, uh, you know, again, it needs to be grounded in scripture. You don't run off, you know, but it, mm-hmm. it can be helpful to just envision those sorts of things. And a lot of times the Lord will speak through those, those types of visions. Absolutely. Yeah, certainly. Uh, yeah. I read a really cool story about, about that, you know, somebody interceding for this other leader and getting this vision of her in a swamp and pulling these girls. She runs a ministry, uh, for girls that have been rescued from sex trafficking. And she's pulling, she, she's got this rope, tied to her this is another woman that's just praying for this lady every day and then anyway uh god works it out where um he compels this nun and another part of the country to give this building to them that they'd been needing and anyway and so she'd had this image in her head for for weeks as she's praying for this woman of her pulling these girls through the swamp and almost and just She's not. She's about to not make it. Well, then one day she had this. She's praying, and the same image comes. Except there's another rope pulling her from the other side, and she wow. and on the other side there's these nuns. <laughs> and she so she's telling this woman, "Does this mean anything to you?" And she's just like, "Oh my god!" Anyway, so yeah, that's, that's a terrible uh, telling of this really awesome story. But it's all that to say, like, yeah. as you are open to God and your like, He may use that to in, in a in a New Testament prophetic way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, that, that needs some, some clarifying that we don't have time to do here. <laughs> well, but but yeah. it shouldn't be ruled out. Yeah. So mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. And same thing. I like when I, when I pray, I always start with uh, praise yeah. and Thanksgiving and stuff like that. And I'm just, I'm trying to ima- envision God as he is mm-hmm. uh, in heaven in, in all of his glory, you know, reigning in heaven. Uh, recognize, and I'm trying to envision recognizing his his omnipresence. That God is mm. is reigning throughout the whole cosmos. God, you know, in distant yeah. galaxies and all these sorts of things. So, like, I like these Hubble telescope images mm. and stuff that we can see of these distant regions. And recognizing God is is equally there in all of His glory and all of His majesty. That God is providentially present in creation, feeding the sparrows and stuff like that. But I let my mind run through sure. those sorts of images. Uh, 
to the glory of God and just recognizing his vastness and stuff like that. And then, you know, his spirit inside me, you know, recognizing that God is very, very, that I'm, that I'm his temple and, um, allowing my imagination to affirm those sorts of things too, uh, as I'm praising God, making it a little more concrete than just like, you know, some sort of, again, not just words coming off my lips, like, Oh God, you're, you're holy and da da da. But just like trying to make it as concrete as possible to really bring it to life. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well, uh, get out your notebooks, your journals, your your paint yeah. canvases, whatever it may be, but also just just be more intentional and ask the Lord to help with mm-hmm. this. I think it's a simple prayer. It's like, hey, Lord, help me to help me to worship you more through my imagination. Help me to glorify mm-hmm. you more, uh, learn more about you through be my imagination. Be a witness through your imagination Absolutely. to others, yeah. So I think we can all do that, no matter what, mm-hmm. where we would put ourselves on the imaginative scale. Mm-hmm. We can all use it uh, to lead us to joy and to, to glorify God. So, hey, brother, thanks for your time, man. This has hey, been thank you. fun for me, and I, I hope and, and think it'll be helpful for others. So. Yeah, I hope so, too. All right, we'll have you on again. Great. Yeah, I hope right. so. See you soon, man. See ya.